you have a copy of God's Word, I invite you to turn to the New Testament book of Romans, Romans chapter 4, as we continue our great study of this wonderful, wonderful letter, Apostle Paul writing, God writing, the human author being the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Rome, a place I just finished Acts this past week, but he's writing very, very excited about the prospect of um, making it to Rome, but to a church, to a people, to a body of Christ that he's never met before, and he is um, going to great lengths to be very, very precise and specific with the details of the gospel, the good news, the happy news of Jesus Christ. And so um, it is a very, very specific, where you look at some of the prison letters he wrote, some of those um, obviously much shorter, and I love the um, depth and detail that we're getting to in Romans. Here's the question I want to pose to you this morning. How is it that Abraham is the father of all believers? That is stated two times in our passage, how Abraham is the father of all believers. If you've been born again, maybe you haven't thought of that, but you have um, Abraham as your father is what he's going to make clear in these verses. So Romans 4, we'll start there in verse 9, and we'll just make it down to verse 16 today. The word of the Lord from Romans chapter 4, verse 9. Is this blessing then on the, on the circumcised or on the uncircumcised also? For we say faith was credited to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it credited? While he was circumcised or uncircumcised? Not while circumcised, but while uncircumcised. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had while uncircumcised, so that he might be the father of all who believe without being circumcised, that righteousness might be credited to them. And the father of circumcision to those who not only are of the circumcision, but who also follow in the steps of the faith of our father Abraham, which he had while uncircumcised. For the promise to Abraham or to his descendants that he would be heir of the world was not through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void, and the promise is nullified, for the law brings about wrath, but where there is no law, there also is no violation. For this reason it is by faith in order that it may be in accordance with grace, so that the promise will be guaranteed to all the descendants, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for your word. Thank you that it is clear, it is true, it's sufficient, it's powerful. We thank you that the gospel is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. Lord, we thank you for Christ. We thank you for who he is, what he has done to obtain salvation. Thank you that it is not by our ethnicity, it is not by our works. It's not by some sign, but we are justified, Lord, by faith. Lord, we are justified by grace through faith in Christ alone. So we pray, God, that your spirit, that he will guide us into truth this morning. We would hear and receive and understand and do 
according to your word, Lord, for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So how Abraham is the father of all believers. You picked up on all the questions there that he switched over. It's called the diatribe style, and it's almost like the way he's writing here is, um, my dad and I would do this a lot. Girl, you ever just like been in a conversation with someone and it's like you're pushing each other's buttons? That's sort of what Paul's doing here. They're pushing each other. He's pushing this, uh, this fictional. We don't, this, we don't think this is really a, a Jewish guy he's arguing with, but he, he wants to make the case. Now, look back at Romans 3.27. You should never find, here's something you should never spot, you know, is a Christian boasting, a Christian bragging. Well, why is that? Romans 3.27, where then is boasting? It is excluded. Why is boasting out of bounds? Well, Verse 28, we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from works of the law. So, how is one, how is a sinner, how is a human being brought into a right relationship with the living God? That's the question. And he's going to such great lengths to show that it will not be by one's ethnicity. It will not be by one's moral behavior, behaving himself or herself. It will not be by pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. It will not be by trying harder, doing better. It will be, listen, the finished work of Christ and trusting in God and trusting in Christ, turning from our sins and trusting in Christ alone. That is the only way any human being has ever been reconciled to God. That's really, really important. And so he, it's amazing to me. It's like he's hitting us with a sledgehammer with these points over and over again, which means they're really, really important. So last week, it would seem that he was really focused on works, someone that would try to get to God. This wells up in our flesh that surely we got to work for this. And so he has worked so hard in last week's passage Romans 4, verse 3, what does the Scripture say? Well, Abraham believed God, and it was credited. We talked about that financial term, that bookkeeping term that shows up over and over in verse 3. It was credited to him as righteousness. Verse 4, to the one who works his wage is not credited as a favor. Verse 5, his faith is credited as righteousness. Verse 6, and we pick right back up in verse 9 today, faith was credited. So listen to this beautiful term of how do we... How do we get God's righteousness, right standing with God, how do we get that put over into our account? Because we know we might try to fool each other. We know we might not be as bad as our neighbor, but we know we are sinful people. And our neighbors would debate that, by the way, whether we're as bad as them or not, right, for sure. But we're sinful people, and how is it that we can be? Here's, here's the main need of our lives how can we be made right with God and it's Christ alone and by placing our faith resting in Christ and so last week he was really challenging what is really the the root of all the religions of the world that one by works can make himself or herself right with God and what today he's going to pick up on two other um insufficient saviors, two other um, things we might uh, trust in. So how Abraham is the father of all believers. Number one, well, circumcision, the Old Testament covenant sign, does not save. Circumcision, the Old Testament 
covenant sign does not save. Look at verse 9, Romans 4. Is this blessing? Well, I love that. When did, what blessing are we talking about? Well, remember we quoted in Romans 4, verse 7, Paul quotes David, King David, from Psalm 32, 1 and 2. Blessed, happy are those whose lawless deeds have been forgiven and whose sins have been covered. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will not take into account. Here's what I want you to see. There's, in Christ, there's a way that God will not take your and my sins into account. See, we want to debate so many times like, well, you just, I don't know that I'm even sinful. Well, let's just move past that. We are. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will not take into account. Well, he comes, he can, carries that over from Psalm 32. What about this blessing? This blessing we're talking about, people whose sins are forgiven, whose sins are covered, people whose sin the Lord don't take into account. If they're blessed, well, is this blessing, who does this blessing fall on? Who are the forgiven ones? Who gets to be blessed? Well, here's the question he puts before us. Is this blessing then on the circumcised? Okay, so that was for the Jew. That was the covenant sign. So what he's going to show us here, Abraham was not saved by circumcision. So look at verse 9. Is it blessing then on the circumcised or the uncircumcised also? For we say faith was credited to Abraham as righteousness. He goes back and quotes Genesis 15, 6 again, which he just quoted at verse 3. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. So faith, listen, Abraham was saved. He was justified. He was brought into right standing with God 14 years before he was circumcised. That's the point. You see this? The point is, Abraham is he's reconciled to God way before there's any covenant signs pointing to him being made right with God. So clearly, circumcision, being Jewish, having Jewish ethnicity, a Jewish identity can't save you. That's his argument. So back to verse 9. This is this blessing on the circumcised or on the uncircumcised also. For we say faith was credited. It was given, deposited in Abraham's account as righteousness. Well, I love what he's, verse 10, just stay with the questions. How was it credited? While he was circumcised or uncircumcised? He answers the question. Sort of like the professor, if they go in and ask direct questions, if you'll just be quiet sometime, they'll answer it. While he was, while he was circumcised or uncircumcised? Not while circumcised, but while uncircumcised. That's profound. So Abraham was justified apart from his circumcision. So 14 years later, Genesis 17, after we've studied in Genesis 15, 6, where Abraham is justified in God's sight, Genesis 17 gives us the account of God instituting the covenant sign of um, circumcision. Read with me verse 11. And he received the sign of circumcision. He received the sign of circumcision. So what is a sign? It's um, if you leave here and you go get on um, 231 North, there uh, just beyond Midland City, you know, you'll see a sign. And it'll be like Montgomery, 80-something miles, 80, 80 miles, right? Is that, is that green thing with those white letters, is that Montgomery? It's not Montgomery, but let me ask you though, is it important? It's important, because by the way, guess what? If you misheard me and you got on 231 South, it would say Panama City. What? Signs are really, really helpful for the purpose that they were designed. 
Now, will that sign, again, if you cling to that and you're like, and you get your friends to post, you know, I don't know if people still do selfies or whatever, you're like, hey, post this and say, tell people I'm in Montgomery. You know what your friends are going to do? They're going to reply like, no, you're just standing by what? Standing by a sign. You're not in Montgomery. You keep driving, it points to a reality that 80-something miles up the road, Montgomery's really there, isn't it? So it's an accurate sign. So I, I love that. That's even helpful. It's a, look with me at Romans 4, verse 11. He received the sign of circumcision. It's what Caroline did over here. Uh, the New Testament sign for the believer. How do we demonstrate to the world that we've been born again and that we've placed our faith in Christ and that we're following Christ? Well, we obey Christ's command for the ordinance of believer's baptism, and it shows the world. So circumcision announced to the world when you were the people of, the, of, of the circumcised Jews, it announced to the world you were followers of Yahweh, followers of Christ. It pointed to the inner reality. So it's an external, verse 11, he received the sign of circumcision that points to some internal reality. But I love it. It gets even better, verse 11. He received the sign of circumcision. And listen to what he says next. It's a sign and a seal. A seal. We're familiar with seals. I have here my passport. And by the way, you could flip in the back between my two passports. Egypt, can't even read that one. India, um, all the pla- anyway, all the places I've been. And guess what? To get in those places, you have to have a passport. And guess what? On the picture page of my, that almost sounded like the kid, picture pages, you know. On the picture page of my passport, guess what is there? A seal. Guess what it says? United States of America. That seal. And and by the way, you know what's behind that seal? The sovereignty and the authority of the United States of America. Right? So we we know about seals, by the way. Um, You don't have to do that as much any uh, more. But have you ever had to get something notarized? Notarized. And what does the notary do at the end? You know, you sign, they sign. They're like, well, I need to see you sign. And, you know, you do all that. And what do they do? They pull out the what? They pull out the seal. And, and, and that, that's counting as, as official, official. That's demonstrating the authenticity of. So I, I love this as we think about our salvation in Christ. Paul's helping us understand, listen, we should not say more about the sign and the seal. In other words, can, uh, can, you have an artif- can you have a fake passport? Could we go out there, you know, you, you, when you go into these college towns, you see a lot of signs in people's houses. You know, can people take a sign and put a fake sign up somewhere? You can have a fake seal and a fake sign. But so far as signs and seals are accurate, they point to great realities and so we shouldn't say more or less sometime our culture has said more church culture about the sign and seal of baptism in our day or so that we have two sacraments or ordinances believers baptism that's the entry point into the church and then we have it every first sunday here the the ordinance of communion of the lord's supper well those two are listen they're really really significant and they carry all kind of spiritual importance and weight. But let's, Paul's saying here, don't put more weight on that than you should. Don't trust in signs and seals to save you. Because they can't do that. 
And that's not how God saved Abraham, and that's not how he saved people before Abraham, and that's not how he's saved people since Abraham, and that's not how God saves people in our day. But it's significant for our communion, our walk, our obedience, that we, it has its proper place. I love what he is helping us do. He's helping us see this proper place. Well, let's back to verse 11. He received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness. So he had this right standing with God of the faith, while, which he had while uncircumcised. And by the way, since that's the case, now no one can come to God and say, you know what, I have right standing with you because I'm a Jew. I'm an ethnic Jew. You know, I, I have the sign. I'm, I'm a Jew. No, no, no. That is not how it works. So he might be the father of all who believe without being circumcised that righteousness might be credited to them. Now look at verse 12. And the father of circumcision to those who not only are of the circumcision, but who also follow in the steps of the faith of our father Abraham, which he had while uncircumcised. So this is beautiful here. We see you know, there's, there's two categories of Christians in the Bible. There are believing Jews and believing Gentiles. Believing Jews, that's what he just said there, and believing Gentiles. And by the way, look at how big God's family is so that Abraham might be, verse 11, the father of all who believe. Hear this. Please hear this. I promise you on the authority of the word of God, if you'll repent of your sins and place your faith in Christ alone, you will be saved. Father of all who believe. What a promise. And by the way, that you talk about we're going to take up a mission offering. That ignites our mission. It's global. It's guaranteed. It includes us. It involves us. So how's Abraham the father of all believers? Well, first of all, circumcision, the Old Testament covenant sign, does not save. Praise the Lord for that. Those of us Gentiles who get in on God's great gospel. Second, he moves to a different argument. The law does not save. Second, the law does not save. Well, I told you the first eight verses of Romans 4 was taking to task those who said, you know what, i tell you what, I am going to do a whole bunch of things so God will receive me into his family. I'm going, I'm going to try to behave myself. In fact, I'm going to, when I see people who are hungry, I'm going to feed them. When I, when, I find a, when I find a need, I'm going to meet it. I think of um, when we lived up in New Jersey. What a great friend of mine, Peter. Peter, I was sitting in Peter's office, and we would talk about the gospel. And Peter would articulate, and he, would, he kept telling me I was so worried about him. And he would tell me not to worry about him because he was good. Because, listen, because, David, I'm not the best guy but my good works outweigh my bad works. Now, I want to tell you something. That leads to a horrific, Christless eternity one millisecond after your death. So our works, first eight verses, won't save. Our, uh, won't save us, won't bring us to God. Some kind of sign in, from the Jews circumcision for people living the Bible Belt, maybe are looking to church membership or even more specifically, believer's baptism. Hey, if you're a believer and you get baptized, then the sign and seal works, but the believer is a key part. And now the law, look at verse 13, the law does not save. Romans 4, 13. For the promise 
to Abraham or to his descendants. Now, that's interesting. That's the first time promise is mentioned in Paul's letter. We're four chapters in. We're all the way down to verse 13 of chapter 4. And now he's telling us about this promise to Abraham. God made a promise. Well, where did he make a promise? Well, Genesis 12, verse 3. Listen to what God promised Abram before his name was changed after the covenant was ratified. But Genesis 12, 3. And I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you, I will curse. And listen to this promise. And in you, in Abraham, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Now, that's a promise way back there. Remember, Abraham gets the call. He's a nothing and a nobody. And God calls him out. In you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Well, it's important to pay attention to that because we get to Romans 4.13, we read the promise. So guess what? God keeps up with his promises. Spoke that back in Genesis 12. Spoke it again in Genesis 15. Again in Genesis 17. For the promise to Abraham or to his descendants that he would be heir of the world was not through the law. Okay, not through, um, not through either possession of the law, but it seems like in these verses in particular he's talking about not through law-abiding not through morality. Do you know that attempts at living morally can be a great impediment to the gospel? We, we get things mixed up. Do we do we want to do we want to live morally? Yeah, let's talk. Yes, yes, yeah. Hey, I, I, I want a society. And by the way, people say crazy things all the time. You ever hear this? I've heard it a lot in the last month. You can't legislate morality. Let me tell you, the only thing in the world that we do legislate that I know of, if you get to the core of it, is morality. What's at the root of that we have laws on the books that people can't come to your house and take all your stuff? That's a moral law, isn't it? And by the way, how would you like that today? You call up and they're like, you know, hey, we quit. Hey, somebody's out in my garage and they sound really mean. I hear them talking. They're about to come in and hurt us and take our stuff. You're like, hey, we've decided we don't want to like police morality anymore. You'd be like, can you put, is there somebody else at the office you can transfer my call to? Because that doesn't make sense. But So the law does not save. And really he's talking about here that we're not going to be, listen, made right with God through living by the law, being moral, abiding by the law. So that's what he says. Verse 13 again, the promise to Abraham or to his descendants he would be heir of the world was not through the law but through the righteousness of faith. Verse 14, for if those who are of the law are heirs, guess what? If they get in on God's promise and faith is worthless, it's made void, and the promise, God's promise is set aside. His promise doesn't work. And then listen to the purpose of the law. For the law brings about wrath. You know what our problem with the law is? None of us can obey it. We're lawbreakers. And guess what? When we break the law, since God is holy... And he is just. Lawbreaking brings the wrath of God upon a sinner. Even a moral, best upstanding as they can be, sinner. So, do you see circumcision, signs, seals have a proper place? The law's got a proper place. So, the law brings about wrath, but where there's no law, there also is no Violation. Well, listen, I like what um, James Montgomery Boyce said about the law. Law is man-directed. 
It points to human abilities. While faith is God-directed, it points to God's accomplishments. So if you're approaching salvation by trusting man, you cannot be trusting God and vice versa. So you see, so law has got a place, but that's not how we're made right. Look at the end of verse 13. But through the righteousness of faith. So Jews and several Gentiles since, certainly in this day and up until today, often thought that obedience to the law would save them. Well, the law is not a savior. By the way, I love the end of verse 15. Where there is no law, there also is no violation. It doesn't mean there's no sin, but it just means there's a heavier guilt before God. There's no, some of your translations where mine has violation, yours have transgression, and that describes a violation of commandments that are specified and written. And again, it would be like that. He's painted all of humanity guilty in those Romans 1 and 2. And especially the Jews as it relates to the Mosaic law. And drop down to verse 16. For this reason, it is by faith in order that it may be in accordance with grace. I love he hits on these themes, these gospel themes. This is why we want to give celebration of Christ's coming its proper place. We want to give Christ his proper place place so circumcision the covenant signs won't save law possession won't save law being abiding by the law won't save but how does God save well verse 16 for this reason it is by faith will you rely on God will you trust in will you rely on Christ will you trust in Christ in order that it may be in accordance with grace Praise God for his grace. So that the promise, remember we read at the end of verse 14, that if it's by law, the faith is what? Void, the promise is nullified. Well, no, 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 none of God's promises will be nullified since God works by grace through faith in Christ alone so that the promise will be guaranteed. And that's good news, isn't it? God's promise is guaranteed to all the descendants. So here's what I want to tell you. God's promise of salvation is guaranteed to all of Abraham's descendants. Here would be another question you should say, David, I want to know, are we Abraham's descendants? And we are if we believe. Isn't that beautiful? He just keeps coming back. And he, here, here's what he wants to do. The gospel, eternity is so important. He wants to strip away and be really, really clear about everything that will not save lest we be deceived. That's so beautiful. For this reason, it's by faith, in order that it may be in accordance with grace so that the promise will be guaranteed to all the descendants, not only to those who are of the law, remember, believing Jews, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, believing Gentiles, who is the father of us all. Praise the Lord. A couple application points before we wrap up. Doing the word, what, what are we to do? First of all, maintain a proper perspective of the ordinances. They are signs and seals. So let's don't say less and let's don't say more than we should about the sacraments or the ordinances. Maintain a proper perspective of the ordinances. They are signs and seals. Second, 
rejoice in the gospel. I, re- I really mean rejoice, and we are doing that. Rejoice in Jesus Christ. Rejoice in the gospel. Justification by faith is a gracious and glorious blessing. Romans 4, verse 7, blessed are those whose lawless deeds have been forgiven. Verse 8, blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will not take into account. So we stand there just as sinful as the next guy. It's just God doesn't take our sins into account. Is the blessing then on the, verse 9, on the circumcised or uncircumcised? No, the people who trust in Christ. So let's rejoice in Christ. Third, trust in and treasure Christ. You say, well, that was last week or the week before. That's every week probably. I love one more paragraph from Boyce here. Rejoice as we celebrate Christ and we treasure Christ and trust in Christ. If you are a Jew and are saved, it is not because you are a Jew. It is because of the work of Jesus Christ. If you are a Gentile and are saved, it is not because of anything you are or have done as a Gentile. It is because of the work of Jesus Christ. No one is saved because he or she has been baptized or confirmed or gone to Mass or shared in the communion service. A person is saved through faith in the perfect and completed work of Christ. And all God's children said, Amen. I want you to wrestle with that sentence with me. A person, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Boy says, a person is saved, rightly he says, through faith in the perfect and completed work of Christ. So my question is, is that your testimony? Well, I'm, no, 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 no. You don't know, I, I, I give generously to missions work, praise the Lord. You know, I've been in Sunday school like, every time we've met this year, that's good. You know, come to Sunday school. Right? You, you don't know. Do you know I give 20% of my gross income? I praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. won't bring you one millimeter closer to God. Now, all those things I just mentioned flowing from the life of one who's been born again can be beautiful responses. A person is saved through faith in the perfect and completed work of Christ. I like to say it this way. Salvation is not by works, but we could almost tweak it a little bit and say it is by Christ's works. Anyway, resting in Christ's works, work safe. He did the work, and listen, I love that. We're going there two Sundays from now. He sat down after he did the work. No more sin offerings. Sin's been paid for. Now, we're either, listen, so therefore in eternity... One will either stand before God whose sins are covered by Christ or whose God's wrath will be poured out for eternity because God is just. And listen, all sin will be punished. Trust in and treasure Christ. Why would you not do that? Third, fourth, I think it's fourth. You have a list. Give generously so that others might hear the gospel, the good news, and know Christ. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray. And, by the way, then we're going to, Brother Stephen's going to come and lead us. We're going to sing.
for those of us in here, we're going to hang tight. And like right after I say amen, all those folks from the overflow room are going to come in. Those that have a mission offering, they're going to come in over here, give their mission offering in the little manger up here and go out that way and back. We'll have a members meeting at the end. So if you would hang with us. And then once they've given, those of us in here who are prepared to give to the mission offering, have an opportunity to bring our offering. We'll start over here in this section, this section, this section. And then we will um, conclude our service. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Christ. We thank you for the grace of the gospel. We thank you for the hope of the gospel. Lord, we rejoice in um, the lengths that you go in your word to demonstrate that salvation is by grace, by God's grace through faith in Christ alone. Thank you that we can testify that Abraham is our father because we are believers. And Lord, we pray you would correct and prune those um, errant ways of thinking uh, to see our works as somehow leading us uh, to you. Um, seeing the things that we do, Lord, um, be it the Lord's Supper or baptism, seeing those as works and getting things out of order. Lord, we know the enemy has come to steal and kill and destroy, and certainly we can deceive ourselves and be deceived by um, getting the gospel wrong. Lord, we see how harsh Jesus was with those who wanted to trust in themselves trying to help them to see uh, God that um, Lord that we uh, have hope uh, because of your grace and we trust in receive rest in Christ Lord we thank you for this time of year where Lord um, even um, those in the world that know little to nothing about Christ somehow acknowledge uh, Christ's uh, coming, Christ's accomplishments. Lord, help us to even use that as a means to give a clear witness of the wonder of the gospel. Lord, that you receive all those who come to you by faith in Christ. Pray that our worship would be marked by zeal and fervor, Lord, that we would not lose sight of the miracle of our great salvation. As we bring our mission offering, Lord, we want to get the good news of Jesus out uh, far and wide. Pray that we would share boldly, Lord, in our homes, in our work and play, and Lord, across the country to the ends of the earth and especially Lord I think of our mission partners many of which are in unreached and unengaged parts of the world even now that we are investing in so we pray you would take our mission offering and multiply it and use it for good gospel purposes and you would uh, astound us Lord maybe, maybe we would even stand in eternity and be 
um, astounded at the great privilege we had being involved in your work. We pray that you would be pleased. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.